This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is the Besotted Pride of West London podcast. And as you can hear, I'm talking with a spring in my step still. It's Wednesday, Wednesday evening here. It's probably Thursday morning or maybe even Friday morning, Friday afternoon when you listen to this. But it's Thursday afternoon or Thursday evening. And I'm still buzzing, still buzzing after the game on Saturday when Fulham came to Griffin Park. They came to Griffin Park and they played some decent football for a little bit. But unfortunately, they weren't a match for the mighty, mighty bees as we went out 3 one Winners on Saturday. We're going to talk about that a lot in this podcast, as you can well imagine. But listen, I'm Billy Grant and I'm sitting here in West London in the Cross Keys. Cross Keys is one of our favourite pubs, as you know. Every couple of weeks we go away, but we come back here again because we come back here again because they welcome us. It's in Stamford Brook, Black Lion Lane, and there's in between the houses there. It's very, very local. They know us. We come back here. We've got our table reserved for us. We've got our bit of food. We've got, you know, a couple of pints of bride on the table. There's a Magnus over there. There's there's a couple of them. He's got a Guinness as well. He's probably feeling very Irishy and probably very stouty and a little bit Christmassy, which we'll talk about a little bit later as well, you know. But yes... We're all buzzing here, actually. You can see everyone's all up, jumping, buzzing, especially as we had the Fulhamish podcast in last week, and we actually really didn't know what was going to happen on Saturday. But whatever happened on Saturday was the right thing that happened on Saturday. And I'm feeling very good. I'm sitting around the table here with my mates again. I have to the left of me, Mr. Gaz. Gary Paul, how you doing? Yeah, I'm not doing too bad, Billy. Um... I've had a birthday in the last week or so, so... Um, oh, many happy returns, mate. Yeah, I'm not going to tell you how old I am. You can just count the rings and yeah. you cut through me. But, um, yeah, Ooh. I'd say... That's an offer. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to dodgy tackle. Um, yeah, but um, as I say, obviously, it was great after what happened last Monday night to beat the Fulham. It was, it was indeed, and like I said to you, on Monday night you must have gone home a little bit depressed because your birthday was on the Tuesday as well, so I mean, after all that, you had a few beers on the Monday night and you probably thought to yourself, oh no, I've fluffed it, didn't you? Yeah, um, it's, it's, like, it's a bit like when you're in a club and a nice woman looks in your direction and you think, oh great, I mean, then you see there's a really handsome, taller bloke behind you. For a moment you thought you were going to have a wonderful moment and then it was gone. 
<laughs> but listen, it was gone, but then it came back on Saturday. And we're going to talk about that lots in a minute, yeah. Listen, we've got the Allard here in the house as well. The Allard, how are you doing? You've not done the international thing the last couple of weeks, or have you? The international thing? No, no, no. I've been, I've, I've, I think probably the furthest I've been away from Twickenham is, is well, actually, it's probably Shepherd's Bush, so maybe we shouldn't talk about it too much. Um, but yeah, feet firmly on the ground and um, sort of, you know, not, not enjoying the Christmas music or anything like that so far, but... Everything's all right, other than that. That's all good. That's good. And I've got the laney man, Dave Lane. How are you, my son? My son? Yes. Oh, oh blimey. Yeah. Um, I feel like I've got a wow. My son. I'm a protective of my family here. All right, son. Yes. Uh, yeah, no, I'm good. I'm very good, mate. I've um, what is, what's this I'm drinking? Hollybush. Hollybush, I Yeah, it's a holly, ni- holly something. Yeah, it's a nice bit of Fuller's festive stout. Um, Fuller's, I'm oh, sorry, not stout, it's um, an ale. Yes. It's very nice. Yeah. And. Um, the pub's very good to us as well. We're, we're, we're back in we're back in our our favourite place. Yeah. And uh, people that listen to this regularly, the peop- the Tinder date couple, they've been replaced by a Christmas tree. They have been replaced by a Christmas tree as well. And there's a, there's a little group over there as well because uh, when we come inside there now, we also we realise now it's at the cross keys here. It's obviously there's activity that takes place. And uh, last time the activity that took place was was very interesting. And we obviously we came across if you didn't listen to it the podcast a couple of weeks ago, we uh, we uncovered a, a Tinder date. And we followed the Tinder date all the way through from the beginning to the end. And we even interviewed the Tinder date not, as well. Not, not quite the end, I don't think. Well, we didn't, we didn't go back to there. We didn't go back to their house at the end there, which uh, it looked like that, that was, that was the, 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 the outcome. Um, but there it is. But we were looking around and there is a little bit of activity going on here today, isn't it? I think we should keep an eye on the table over there. There's a, there's a guy there sitting, he's been, sitting on his own. He's got his, his cap pulled down almost as if he might be waiting for somebody, but he wants to check him out before, before um, he makes himself aware to them. That's, that's all right. So you can see people are, people are queuing up and sort of like rigging up and sort of reserving to come down to the cross keys now because they sort of think this is the, this is the meeting place from heaven, like, you know. It's like some sort of swingers do. <laughs> but anyway, listen, like I said to you, I'm Billy Grant and uh, I've had a bit of a, I've had a good week as obviously the Fulham game on Saturday was really good as well and then I had a very strange experience as well because I popped down the, uh, the training ground I was going to go and get an interview with uh, a couple of Brentford players and uh, walked down the training ground all of a sudden they, they said to me by the way look we've just taken over the we've taken over the, 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 the kitchen area and the, and the dining room would you like to come in I'm like, oh, okay, come coming up and let all the people around. And they said, look, we've got a couple of characters inside here. We've got um, Andres Belland and Lasse Vibe. And I just thought, okay, um, that's, that's quite interesting. Yeah, Lasse Vibe, and uh, they're cooking some food. And uh, would you like to just um, get them to cook some food for you? So basically, uh, there's them, there's some Leo Vegas, there's the club, there's all sorts of characters. And they got Bielend and Vibe to cook some food for me. And I had to sort of kind of taste it. And it was a very bizarre, but quite a funny experience, actually. I've got... No, apparently there'll be some videos flying around in a couple of weeks' time, but um, it was very, very strange. And uh, we talked about lots of things. Um, we talked about Russia. Obviously, BLN's going to Russia, and Lasse might be going to Russia, and uh, and Delsgaard is going to Russia as well. Fingers crossed. And we might even have Marcondes going to Russia as well. Like you know, we might have a whole heap of, of Brentford players going out there. And uh, we got a little interview coming a little bit later. Just a little short interview between the two guys. But um, like I said to you, it was a very strange experience because I've I've, I've I've never had a football player cook for me, and there's all sorts of fish and vegetables and nuts and everything like that going now. And it was uh, yeah, it's it very interesting. And um, did, did it have a name? Did it have a name? This dish. 
Uh, the, well, it was sea bass and uh, sea bass with nuts, with some horseradish chestnuts, which is a bit Christmassy, and some vegetables as well, and um, some, 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 some little, little, little Swedes. Um, even though they were Danish, they had some Swede there apparently, which is uh, which was confusing for me at the time. I didn't really understand, but you know, but it was good. Um, there was no. What was interesting is that there was no because normally, you know, you sat down there and you watch a, a Sunday Kitchen or Saturday Kitchen with our mate um, Tim Lovejoy, well, my mate, my mate Tim Joy Lovejoy, and he, who went from football to to cooking and they all sit there but what I've noticed what they do is they end up drinking beer and wine all the time that's just what they do but there's no beer and wine there at all and I was a little bit disappointed freaks (laughs) fitness freaks I think it is fitness is freaks but anyway listen I mean the food that they taste they they, they cooked was was quite good but I'm just wondering what was the strangest thing that's ever been served up to you lady Christ Um, I think the, one of the, the the oddest things I ever remember um, having to eat or drink was when we went to Kazakhstan, mate. Um, I remember it, drinking fermented camel's milk, and I thought that was that was pretty odd. Um, but food-wise, I think the um, I someone served me once. I had a, a fillet of heron with um, some sort of perch, and it was like with a, on a bed of wild mushrooms and nettle mash. Sounds quite tasty, actually. Did you, do you remember when Kazakhstan we had that stringy cheese when we went to that stringy, club? Stringy cheese, I do. <laughs> I do stringy string. It was that was camel's cheese as well. Oh, was it? Yeah, it was. Yeah, stringy camel's cheese. Oh, yeah, it was. Uh, it was very stringy and it was quite humpy as well. Um, but no, I didn't get the hump at all, actually. Um, the Allards. What is the strangest thing that's ever been served up to you? Uh, well, I've been to Hong Kong a few times, um, so I think it probably comes with the um, the territory there. Um, so you know the sort of things like. Like the chicken feet thing, where you think you sort of did you suck what's left of the meat off. Or, um, I've had that. Um, in fact, I've, I, to be honest, I've been taken out quite quite a few times by people from Hong Kong, and I always feel that that they're, they're desperately trying to make me not eat something, um, so I just eat it all. Um, I dread to think what some of it was. I remember some sort of dessert with a runny egg inside, um, egg yolk or something. That was a bit weird. But I, I, I'm not I'm not that against sort of weird food i i'm a big fan of this this sort of indian dessert i think it's called kaja kahawa or something it's like it's like this sort of shredded carrot dessert thing and i'm a big fan of that i do i do like that so i'm not against sort of weird weird ideas but um hong kong does does sort of it's a bit too much yeah it's a bit strange and if you, if you go even deeper into china if you if you go into real china i mean hong kong is sort of kind of like sort of western china isn't it like you know if you go to deep china they've got some proper sort of kind of like whoa that is just like okay i think i'll pass on that one on the menu um the gaza what are you saying to be honest I'm very particular about what enters my mouth. Um, <laughs> um, I saw a YouTube video. Anyway, carry on, Gary. Just ignore him. Ignore him, actually. You know, you got to keep him on a leash sometimes. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I've, I've just thought, and I'm pretty sure that probably three quarters of the planet this time of year that we're entering into um, is how on earth are Brussels sprouts still a thing? I can't. Oh, no, 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 I cannot no, see. No 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 no, 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 no. And we thought you were going to come up with something a little bit left field, and you come up with Brussels sprouts. What? What are we with you? No, I'm. I'm sorry. I'm not having them. No, 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 no. Little green balls of death. Is that the worst you've come up with? How long have you been given to prepare this question, and you come up with Brussels sprouts? About twenty minutes. Well, as I, as I said, about about twenty minutes. But 
that's ultimately. I can't honestly think of anything that's weird, other than the fact that, as I said, these things, these are still a thing. Little green bastards. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, another I just remembered is I was in an Indian restaurant once, and they had a big, they had a special. Um, it's called Kerala. It's bitter gourd. It was a special for the day, so we thought we'd better try that. So we ordered it from the from the um, from the waiter. Didn't he? He, he was fine. He, he took the order and that, and then bought out all of our food, including this 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 Kerala stuff. Um, we, we we tried it and it was it was really not pleasant to eat. And um, about after about ten minutes, the waiter came over and he said, um, so "Are you enjoying the um, the Kerala, the, the the special?" So obviously, like you do, we lied and said, "Oh yeah, it's quite nice." He said, and he turned around, looked over his shoulder, make sure I was listening. Can't bloody stand it. It's horrible stuff. <laughs> so and for me um, I mean there's a few, few strange things I've had obviously like I said Kazakhstan was quite interesting but um, as, as, as we'll know uh, us, uh, our West Indian and West Indian heritage um, my parents used to cook certain things but I remember you used to go around to your auntie's house and the thing is that when you go around to your auntie's house you had to eat the food you had to eat the food you weren't allowed to leave anything like that you know what I'm saying so you go around to auntie's house and the worst thing is when you go around to auntie's house and she's cooking cow's foot, right? Now, cow's foot is, I'm telling you, it is the most disgusting thing. So, um, hello, William, you sit down, you want some cow's foot? So, oh, yeah. so you sit down there, you're like, trying to be really happy, but you know that you can't hide it under the plate or put it under the table because you don't, you used to get beats in those days, isn't it, as well? Guys, you must know about that. Yeah, I just took the beats because, as, <laughs> as I said, things were not going in my mouth <laughs> at all. Yeah. I'm sorry. I, I mean, I do remember once um, when my mum offered me a raw turtle egg, which, again, as I said, it was like two unlimited said, no, 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 no. It just wasn't happening. Yeah. I remember um, I had a Dutch pen friend um, when I was at school, and her name was Vera. She was fit as. And... Um, I, went, I stayed around her house for a while by, when we were at school and her mum and dad, they, they made grated cucumber, great, like five or six grated cucumbers like sprinkled with sugar and like everyone tucked into that. Well, I mean, it was just a bit odd. That's a bit strange. It doesn't sound not 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 in a not in a uh, God, I couldn't eat that way. But just a bit odd. It's just odd. Basically, it's almost like they hadn't put any effort into it. Let's just just grate a few things. They went through the fridge. They see what they had, and then they grated some cucumber and students. Yeah, probably not. Yeah, yeah nothing wrong with students. We've all had our student days, but sometimes if you're a bit short in cash, you you have to grate a few. You, you, you made a yeah, yeah, you did. Curry. That's right, Brussels. That's, that's, that's what that's what you do. Very very creative students, and we've got a lot of students listen to us, and we think we love your creativity, and we think it's really good. We we've been there, and uh, let's move on. Anyway, so listen. Also, this week, FSF Awards at the Football Supporters Federation Awards as well at the Tower of London. This time, they moved it from some posh venue in the somewhere in central London down there. We were in the in the in the in the in the shadow of the Tower of London. It was quite that again was quite bizarre, uh, but it was quite good. So it went down there and uh, all loads of faces down there. Like I said, blues for you. A Birmingham crew that actually gave us a, a lovely curry in their pub when we went down there as well. So they were down there and they won the Diversity Award. Big up to the Blues for You posse as well. Fulhamish Podcast, who was on last week, they were nominated for a, the podcast Club Podcast of the Year Award. They didn't win that as well, but we saw 
the Amber Nectar guys, who are a whole city, you were going to be seeing on Saturday, and they actually won the club award for uh, Amber Nectar. And they had quite a few good things to say and interesting things to say, as, as they said about that as well. And James Richardson had a little chat with them as well. Talked to them about us and Besotted and Brentford and everyone's everyone's actually bigging us up. You know, we spoke to there. Chummed right up. Tell you something, I was chumming right up. You know, what I'm saying as you do, like you know, I was chumming up. Well, guess. Yeah, talk about chumming up. I did actually hear Adrian Durham say something nice about us, no, which no, shocked no, me. No, 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 no. It was related to the. I mean, obviously, he was talking about the QPR and the fact that fans left before the game, but he was actually quite quite complimentary about us and the way we played. Um, in that game, which well, really shocked me. Well, it would not be funny. We'd have to be blind if he said anything else, to be quite honest with you, didn't it? Yeah, but Sanger and Durham, so... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. Listen, listen, we're going to talk about the Fulham game in a minute, but again, as we say to you, we've got to give our shout-outs. Shout-outs to people who, uh, who have given us the props as well, like, you know. And I want to give a big shout-out to Chris. Chris Damoni as well. Like, you know, he came and, and, he, and, and he's given a shout-out. He's very, very happy. He says Tuesday's 7 o'clock every Thursday morning as well. And um, what did you say about Liberal, Liberal Nick? Um, the, 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 the Liberal Nick? And he, what did you say about Liberal Nick? Liberal Nick? Yeah, that, He's put Alan Judge's recovery back at least a year. Liberal Nick. We can blame Liberal Nick on that one for that one. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, but anyway, we'll talk about that later. Also, ex-James, as he calls himself, and he's put a little iTunes up there for us. Big shout out for you as well, mate. Thank you very much for putting us a little review. Like I said, you go to iTunes, give us a review and give us a big star because if you give them more reviews, it goes up in there and more people listen to it and we're very happy and we, we're very happy as well and it's all very good. And there's one more a, review as well. No, it's a really sweet one from Braymar B. He's, um, he said, love the bands, lads. Keep up the good work. Excellent, excellent. Well, it looks like everyone's enjoying this podcast anyway, isn't it? Which is, which is all, this is what we like, reaching out to as many people as possible. But listen, anyway, let's go back to Saturday. Let's go back to the Fulham game. Let's go back to the nerves. After about 20 minutes, I don't know what it was, but we were, we were very nervous because Fulham, they looked like they were going to tear us apart. They were coming down the side of the pitch, they are coming down the wing, they crossed the ball in the middle, there was no one to take them up, they scored a goal and they were singing their goals. In fact, if you go onto the Besotted um, YouTube page, there's actually a video which actually shows the Brentford goals and the Brentford fans and the Fulham fans merged in together and it will make you laugh, trust me. But anyway, we'll come back to that. We're going to listen to what the Bees fans and the Fulham fans had to say in the pub after the match. First half, pretty even game. Fulham looked pretty good, actually. We did well to hang on to them, but we changed a few things around. Second half, sending off clearly helped us, but yeah, once, yeah, once we get going and once we start playing our football in their half, we're a difficult team to stop. I thought they were good. I thought Josh Clark had a torrid first 20 minutes. Uh, I thought he was superb after that. He really sort of changed his game. I thought Mahocho rose as well today. He looked like a good player in front of the back four, picking things up and tidying, which we've been missing for a long while. And uh, when you go forward, it was sad to see Beerbeg off, but Soyuz is all right in that position. He's fairly comfortable. Watkins is dangerous every time he gets the ball. Canos was crazy for it. It was a good performance. On the left side particularly, we they got round us and they were pinging the ball between each other. I think when Canos moved across the left, Watkins came across to the right, we were able to just defend that a little bit better. We had that game. We certainly did. 
Fulham are an excellent footballing side, that has to be said, and it was great that we put on a good performance against them as well. Um, I'm glad to see Kalos coming on at the end to applaud the crowd. Didn't look injured in any, didn't look seriously injured, which we feared that he might have. Uh, and it was great to see McLeod back on the pitch as well and not falling out over any twigs. Do you like that little trickery that he did as well? He did some proper trickery, didn't he? Absolutely. He just took a player out, twisted around and got the ball, and that would have been a lovely goal. Yeah, he did. I mean, he's going to be a good addition to our squad. He may not be a starter, but it's good to be having him come on as a replacement sub and hopefully he'll grow on this performance as well it was a fantastic atmosphere and it just shows stick behind your team stick with them and we'll get the results and West London tonight is ours yes indeed it was yeah def definitely uh, they got the response we got a rare early goal after half time made a difference the red cards everything sort of seemed to go into our favour and fair play to Fulham yeah, they, they, wanted, they wanted to play the same way we wanted to play and it became a bit of a net match for about 20 minutes although we look, we look much better in the second half a bit worrying about the selection you know Malpay's silly yellow card on Monday means suddenly we're looking at playing like 5-5-0 essentially like Scotland in a World Cup qualifier but luckily they were playing like 5-5-0 as well oh, exactly well they were settled I, I, I think they came here firmly for the draw and uh, I almost think they were a little bit taken by surprise about how easy we made it for them in the first 25-30 minutes yeah so I think I think, I think then they, they invited us onto them and we got players like Yanaris and Makocho who look far more comfortable going forward than they do going back Sergio Kenos oh, uh, tell me oh, I, lo I love that guy he loves playing for us he's like a little Labrador puppy he, he just wants the ball he wants to play he's he's excellent I mean it's such a shame that again that when he went off again I feared you know who we're going to replace him with but McLeod to be fair for a year and a half off he came on and I thought he did really well he didn't shirk any tackles he looked really sharp um, it's a bit, it's a bit unlucky actually. Probably should have scored. Um, but Sergio Cados, absolutely immense today. It was a good game, Billy B. I thought it was 50-50. I thought McDonald for Fulham had a brilliant game, controlling it from the back through the middle. Unfortunately for Bullock, Fulham, they haven't got a plan B. They play and play and play. Down to ten men. They got no route out, and that was it really. I think second half. I think they went to sleep. You boys were all over them like a rash. Very sloppy goal to concede. Then the foul, the sending off. Good night, Vienna. End of the game, personally. We absolutely smashed them. Smashed them up, didn't we? We did, especially half. in that second half. They started moving the ball about after watching the QPR game the last two minutes on uh, Monday I was a bit worried again but the boys kept going today that was, a big, that was a big difference I thought they just obviously had a good uh, chat in the dressing room and they sort of changed everything we were fantastic I think Watkins could have scored a hat-trick really in the second half um, but I was happy he got one and it made it 3-1 I'm going to go back to acting get rid of the car uh, there'll be a few QPR boys around I'm just going to remind them of the score today and they had two players sent off and I think what was Preston, the score I've got no idea Preston scored in the 88th minute oh. So it can't get much better than that. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a bit of a hangover, to be honest, Bill. And I had the shakes in the second half. And I wasn't sure if it was because, because of my hangover or because I was genuinely worried that we were going to toss another good position away. Um, it was, um, it, but, it, but it, ultimately, it's been, a, it's been a really, really good day. Um, it shut the foot. I mean, I don't think any Fulham fans have even bothered coming back to the glass. Well, there's only one, actually. Chris, Bill, yeah. There's only Chris, Chris Fulham. You know, there's one Fulham fan. Air after the game, um, and that's it, really. But you know, 
that's the way it goes. And uh, maybe they, they saw it was coming. Um, I, I, do you know what? I think, um, I think that we, we came into the game knowing that we, can, that we are more than capable of throwing away um, good positions. And I reckon that... Uh, but I, I think, actually, Fulham are almost like... It's almost like a mirror. I, th- I think they're, they're, they're very similar to us. Um, I, think, I think they're almost like... Uh, they're a good side, um, but they but the, but they got fundamental flaws. Their fundamental flaws are a little bit different to ours. I believe their fundamental flaw is they genuinely. I mean, people moan about us fucking about with it at the back. They properly fuck about with it too much at the back. I mean, properly. To, to, I mean, to the point where they create absolute chaos. I think we used to do that three or four years ago, but I think we're beyond that now. They kind of play to our strengths to some extent, and um, and I and I have to give a big shout. Can I'm allowed to give a big shout to Dean Smith today? Yeah. Um, because because there's a lot of people were were a bit bemused by the substitution and Sawyer's coming on up front. Don't know if anyone said this yet, but um, but for me it was a stroke of genius because by bringing Sawyer's on up front, whereas a lot of people would have said Watkins should have gone up front or maybe Canos, he actually kept the pace and the sort of the the power out wide in Watkins and Canos. He played Sawyer's up front, and um, the Dutchman was saying this himself. It's something I've said as a theory for a long time. I don't think it's always that important who you play up front it's more important about what's going on around you and, and and we kept our two strongest players out wide we gave them the opportunity to run at Fulham and they created absolute havoc today and fair play Dean Smith I think you got that absolutely right uh, no no today today was about really putting Brentford's um, st- stamping our quality all over this league you know Fulham Fulham think they're the best footballing team in this league think again because you know I, I, I saw nothing to they suggest that Brentford aren't up there with the very best in this division. Well, we haven't. We, we drew against Wolves down here. I, I wish we could play them again down at Griffin Park because I, I think we, you know, we, we, we do them this time. You know, we're still are still haunted by Yossi's miss during that game. So, you know, we, we're up there with the very best. Um, I still think we're a bit of a, a bit of a when it's going for us team. We look great. Um, I still I still think we're a little bit lightweight at the back. But today, you know... It suited us. Oh, it suited us, yeah. It suited us massively. And uh, you know, I'm really looking forward to going a hole um, next, next Saturday. So, yeah, West London is ours, Bill. So what an absolutely... I have to use the word. Teething tremendous day that was out. Fulham was brilliant. Bit nervous because last season they came to Brentford and they absolutely did us, to be fair. They played very well. We turned around and went, bloody hell, they're quite good, that Fulham side. They might actually get to the playoffs. And they did. And they've come this season and the, what's it? They Sheffield United. They scored five goals at Sheffield United. So we're like, this is a bit this is a bit worrying, to be honest with you. But, you know, apart from the first twenty odd minutes, um, we had them in that game and it was brilliant. And it like I said, it wasn't the first great half, first great first, it wasn't a great first half. But like I said, after about half an hour we got back into the game. Dean Smith did some things, the players did some things. Um, as we say, and we'll talk to Lasse Vibe uh, later, we uh, pulled off Lasse Vibe and we put on a, we had a play the false nine and I think it might have confused Fulham, you know, and I think it might have been a tactic. He probably wasn't really injured. We just said, ah, I'll tell you something, let's pretend he's injured, let's pull him off, play a false nine and Fulham would be completely and utterly confused and they were. Turn the game around. The Allard, I mean, I said, wasn't a, wasn't a great first half, but we stepped up, didn't we? Yeah, we did. Um, and um, I, 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 I'd like to think that if Vibra had stayed on, I don't think it would have, I'm sure it would have been the same. I, but I think what was the real key point to that was to keep um, Watkins and 
um, Canos out wide, um, keep the pace there, and um, let them run at players, and 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 that seemed to be what worked. I think. Um, I think when Sawyer came on and went up front, there was a lot of because I didn't really expect that. I didn't even think of it until I saw him go up front. I think a lot of people were like, "Oh my god, this is going to be a nightmare." Um, some people tweeted that it was going to be a nightmare. Um, others, others probably thought it and will now and will now de- and will now deny it. Um, but the bottom line was, I thought that was it, it actually worked brilliantly. Um, I, I think I could absolutely see what he's saying, what, what what he was doing. There's no doubt that we are a better team when we have. Um, when we have pace and power out wide and we've seen that since the beginning of this year um, when we changed things around when Hotter came back and, that, and, and that's where our real strength comes from and, and, and I, th- I think he got it absolutely right Dean Smith as mad as some people might have thought that substitution was I mean the substitution not itself was, wasn't but the, um, the reshape of the team or non-reshape of the team shall we say and, um, and, it, and, and it also goes to show and I think we talked about this a little bit that actually sometimes it doesn't matter so much who you've got up front it, it, it it's, it's about the whole team and um, and everybody contributing sorry yeah did, did Sawyers not play up front last season yeah I can't remember yeah I'm sure there was a game last season where he played up front which is why when he came on and people said Sawyers can't go up front I did think was there not one or two games last season that he played up front yeah Sheffield yeah that's Sheffield Wednesday he played up front yeah yeah, and as I said, um, I thought it was, again, it showed, it, I was very happy that it happened because it showed that all the people that do knock Dean Smith and they will criticise, he was very good in the changes he made and we came out in the second half, took it to him, got a very early goal. Um, again, twice we twice we attacked them. We, their defender, we had him on his last warning before he actually ended up body checking um Ollie Watkins and getting sent off. So two, I mean, two of the, two of the substitutions were forced on him. Obviously, there was players that pulled up. Um, you know, Vibay then Canos. Well, I, I, no, I, I've got a different theory on Canos. I think I, I just say was that um, what I know is that I reckon Canos went off in exactly seventy minutes. So I'm, I'm maybe I'll be wrong. And has, has there been an injury report from him? Everyone's shaking their heads, so I'm hopeful. But I reckon that basically he knew he was going off after 70 minutes. It was predetermined, and he just pulled up in a dramatic way to take some time out of the game. That's, that's well, my theory. That's, that's a conspiracy theory. <laughs> but you know, the, the thing for me that um, really was encouraging, I thought when Brentford were you know at their best on on Saturday, which was you know basically after sort of 30 minutes, we did look very good. We we you know there was a, the Sun journalist that was there that wrote up about the game. He said you know we're he, he, he's run the um, you know the top ten or top top twenty um, most entertaining teams in in the championship, and we're apparently third. Um, and you know that's, that's got that's probably got to be a right. Wolves, he says, way out ahead of us. Um, Sheffield United, obviously, they're on their roller coaster. They've got that momentum. And Brentford, you know, we're third, and we've got this established you know way of playing. The thing that really pleased me though was um, Ollie Watkins. I thought. He's run for the equaliser. From he picked it up outside our box. He kind of hurtled through the centre of defence, yeah. knocks it out to Canos. Canos cut in, and someone did a star jump over the ball, and the ball ended up in the back of the net. Um, but the the third goal was just a thing of beauty. Um, and you know, and for Sawyer's to get on the score sheet as well, 
playing playing not in his natural position probably but it just shows you that you know the, the skills and the, the kind of the flexibility and the, the kind of they're, they're, they're a, it's, it's a it's quite a deep squad actually you know we, we're not we probably haven't got as many um, sort of rock rock solid defenders as we might like we've probably got not not as many out and out 20 goal a season strikers but the, the, the whole mix is I think it's pretty damn good actually I mean you're talking about Ollie I mean Ollie Watkins as well I, I, I chatted to Ollie Watkins a couple of days ago when I was down chefing you know getting some food but he's uh, lovely what was he cooking he cooked nothing at all, actually. Apparently, I think his cooking skills are probably a little bit less than his uh, the elders, uh, Lasse and, uh, and and Andreas. But um, lovely bloke. But um, it's interesting because he's on everyone's radar. Everyone that you speak to, if you listen to other podcasts, you other people speaking, everyone's now talking about Ollie Watkins. It's like this player who you know you think about him now, and he's he's definitely established Premiership. I'm um, sorry, Premiership um, Championship player. Um, but beforehand, you know. How many teams took a risk on him? You know, not many people wanted to take a risk on him. And the fact that we paid, what, 1.5 million for him, a lot of people saying, oh, you know, he's second division player. What are you going to do that for? But he's definitely now on the radar. I even spoke to uh, Chris Powell, who's the old Charlton manager, the old Derby manager as well. And he um, apparently he recommended Derby to sign Ollie Watkins when he was there, which was, uh, which was, you know, what, a couple of years, a year and a bit ago, or a couple of years ago when McLaren was there as well. So he's definitely been a player who's out and about and everyone is rating him. Of course, we don't want people to rate him too much because people get nervous that we'll, you know, he'll be sold up from the next transfer window, and that's not necessarily what we want. But I think we're a little bit away from that. But the fact that I really like is that he's only been in the in the in the, in the team for what three months now, and he's stepping up to the plate. And we've had scenarios, like I said, to you, we've we've brought new players in, like you said, when you brought Vibe and all that lot. It took him five, six, seven, eight months, nine months to get to get involved to get up to the plate. Even Andre Gray, we've talked about Andre Gray as well. He took until probably up to Christmas time or just after to really actually start getting runny. So Wally Watkins, he's starting to really find his feet. He's starting to cause real problems and he's a very, very exciting player. And he's going to have more exciting players potentially playing with him. With uh, We'll talk about this in a bit, probably with, you know, Judgey coming back and other players coming back as well, which is all good. He's kind of one of those players that's um, real, has made a real name for himself or created some sort of buzz about himself. Someone like, like Tom Ince, where, where, you know, it was almost like... You knew something really good was going to happen with him, and he was kind of like punted and pushed. and And I, and I think Ollie Watkins is destined for the very top table. And um, you know, I, I just it's brilliant. Watching. Get married, top table. Yeah. yeah, he might be. He probably will be if he's not already. Um, and uh, yeah, no, so I just it's, it's, it's just great to have him in your team. And I, you know, hopefully he does it with us. It, it'll be fascinating actually to, to see where he ends up playing as a as a footballer because. I was thinking a month or two ago that you know let's try him up front with shorter centre forwards, but mm. but but seeing him running at players, um, getting the ball with the goal in front of him um, does make me sort of think that actually maybe maybe he's not a centre forward and he is a he's a very attacking midfield player. Hey, and let's also remember this is his first season at this level. He's only going to get better, and that I think that was, that the thought of that will scare a lot of other teams as well. You know, next year, my God, you know. He's going to be, you know, have a year under his belt. He'll, he'll, he'll know what works and what doesn't work. He'll hopefully know how he fits into the squad and what his position is. Um, we'll, we'll probably be a more, I'm, I'm hoping, we're hoping we don't lose too many, too many more, but hopefully we shall be a more prepared team next year. Listen, uh, let's come back to this Fulham game. I mean, because Fulham, they were very confident. Before that match, 
Apparently somebody said, or well, somebody, we saw yeah. it on there, there's quite a few said to us, if anyone tries to play us, basically what's happened is they get nervous when they play Sheffield United, when they play your Cardiffs because they feel that they might bully them off the ball a bit. But they said if anyone plays us at football and tries to pass us off the park, we'll beat anybody. Um, it didn't quite go to plan on Saturday, did it? No, um, they they're not that dissimilar to us. Um, they, um, you know, they, I think they're probably the, the next best football inside I've seen in this league. I would say I haven't seen Wolves play yet this season, um, and I am also sort of factoring in Fulham from last year and sort of considering them as the same side. Um, so um, that, yeah, but I, but like like we always say, I mean, we probably say exactly the same sort of thing, and maybe Fulham did outplay us. On one occasion last season, and um, but this but this year we we outplayed them, and maybe that's a, you know maybe that's a sign that we've taken a few steps forwards. Um, but I yeah I think I, I think we're, we're probably the two. I mean, Laney's already said what you know what was what what was what's been written recently, and I'm and I'm sort of thinking that that you know Fulham are they're a good side, but they just look flawed at the moment. I mean they they seem to lack a bit of shape um, in the attacking half of the pitch and. And as I've, as as I said on Saturday, they, um, I mean, they really do mess about with the ball um, at the back to the point where I, I think if you got Batten in goal, I'm I'm not convinced that that is at all sensible because because he's not a great sort of outlet to the to, to the back pass and then to keep the ball. Um, yeah, so I, they're, they're they're flawed here and there. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, I'm going to agree with um, you know that Sun article. I don't often agree with the Sun, but I, I, I you know, and again, I agree with I agree with you again, Matt. I, I, we saw Wolves. I just want to say, and this is not taking anything away from you, but we're not necessarily telling people to go out and buy the Sun. We like what this particular no, no, yeah, journalist yeah. has yeah. written. It was, okay, it's actually it was refreshing to hear one of the red top newspapers saying something that wasn't just complete cliche. He'd actually based it on on research, and he'd done he'd done his manners and. He'd He'd, he'd done his research, but what I'm, what I'm saying is, so Wolves, you have to, you know, from what I've seen, they they play great football. On the day that they came to Griffin Park, it was a nil-nil draw, and it, it wasn't that they weren't at their best. I'll, I'll go, I'll, I'll I'll go with the consensus on this and say probably they are because they're they're romping the league at the moment. I'll say I'll say we're we're there in second place with probably two or three other clubs. Bristol City have got to take. They've got to take a lot of blooming props for what they've done so far this season. They're going toe to toe with some really, really good clubs this year. Um, so yeah, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just delighted where we are, and I, and, I, and it does make me laugh that the Fulham they've still, you know, they they still got this like um, they've still got this like like we deserve mentality because they had a couple of years in the top flight and then they uh, they got to some Mickey Mouse European Cup final but we was we were called pious a couple of weeks ago by having this confidence in our playing style there was a, there was a couple of um Oh, what a different club fans saying, you know, oh, you Brentford fans, you're 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 overly cocky about how good you are, and I'm like, well, no, it's it's, ba- it's based on watching it week in, week in week out, and that goes again, it just boils into this pot of teams like Brentford. They think, how can we, how can we be good? We're just Brentford. Well, it's not only that as well. I think it's more a case of the fact is that it's like we're all, a lot of fans are saying we're playing good football and we're playing this passing game, and say, for example, your Derby County or your Cardiff or whoever it may be and you're not playing that so they're trying to say to us oh you think you're pious because you think you're better than us because you're playing this passing game which isn't actually necessarily the, the way is what we're doing is that we're just basically saying 
we're playing a brilliant passing game and it's really good and it's quite refreshing to see and especially if you've spent your whole life watching pretty shitty football mm. right and this is not a disrespect on Brentford this is just the way it was this is what we, we, we put up with it and we were happy with it it's cool so all of a sudden if your team changes the style of football and is playing really great football you comment on that and then if somebody else is playing some interesting clogging type football you comment on that as well now people might take ombridge to that because maybe they want to play the passing football but they're getting the results the other way and they're thinking you know well, why do you think you're better than us and it's not really that it's just that we're very happy see I'm quite happy with that I'm quite I'm, I'm quite happy to be called pious in, 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 if, if it means that I'm happy and confident in the way we play football and the way that there seems to be an ethos running from you know from the B team through to the A team I, I you know yeah if, if there's an insult that's associated with me being confident and happy about that then so be it in the, in the, you know it just in the in the same way that you know if if we're if we're sort of um, we're beating up about our sellings you know having to sell players it's just sometimes we need to understand the way our team and our club operates and you just kind of be reassured by it and and if, if telling other clubs that they're doing it wrong or they shouldn't be doing it the way they do and them going oh you're Brentford you're telling us how to run our club going well yeah actually yeah we are. So listen, it's interesting because you talked about Wolves as well. Um, again, if you listen to everybody, I mean, people basically, Wolves have wrapped up the league as far as people are concerned. Everyone has said Wolves have won the league. I'm just telling you, listen, you, you listen to every single person. It's just like Wolves are brilliant. They've won the league. They, this is end of story. Um, I'm just, just was trying to get a little comment around Wolves. I mean, I know we've played them once. I mean, I've watched them quite a lot on TV. Um, they, they do look quite impressive. To be fair, they've, <laughs> they've spent a lot of money on players. Oh, my God. I mean, they're looking to sign one of their players. I can't remember who it is. He's on loan from Atletico at the moment now. And um, I think they're going to do the deal in the in, in, in January for £50 million. I mean, not be funny. £50 million is about sort of like, what, five times as much more than we spent in the whole of Brentford's lifetime on players. And they're going to buy that in one player in the... Uh, in, in, in January now they've got their manager who I think he's a quite an interesting character Nuno Espirito Santo and um, the rumours are that he was going to get the Everton job he didn't get the Everton you know, he didn't go for it in the end um, and also before Allardyce um, but just looking at the totting up Wolves at the moment now they're top with 47 points they've scored 41 goals and 17 goals against so they've lost three games um, they've got four more points more than Cardiff, Bristol City a third with 37, and then Derby a sixth with 35 points, and we're 11th of 27. So I'm just looking at that little gap there between us and them. People are saying they're going to walk the league. Now, I've just matched them up with last season with Newcastle. Like I said, the Wolves are top with 47 points. Last season, at this time of the season, Newcastle were top with 43 points from 20 games. Scored 21 goals against with 16. So the goals and scored and against are pretty similar. Um, Newcastle had actually lost more games. They'd lost five games as opposed to Wolves' three. So just to, just to put a little kind of thing on there, you know, if you're going to turn around and say that if they carry on what they're doing, you know, they're basically doing better than Newcastle are last season. Yeah, Newcastle they had a bad start to the season, didn't they? So, yeah, they did so um, I think I mean, didn't they? The first three or, three or four games they were like almost bottom, I think. Um, so um, they've had to come back from that. Um, so yeah, we'll see. Uh, I, I, I do you know what I, I said earlier that I haven't seen Wolves play this season, but obviously I have seen them play us this season, and um, they were quite forgettable that day. Um, so I'm sort of looking forward to watching them on TV as a, as a sort of neutral, as neutral as you can be. 
and um, and seeing them play. I mean, I see you see the highlights. I never consider that as seeing a team play, and and, and they score some great goals and stuff. Um, but they, they they do look a decent side this season. But I think you're kind of still thinking that where well, it's it's Wolves, and you know what they've been like for the last few years. They're not they're not going to see the season out, surely. Yeah, I mean, one thing that strikes me about Wolves, especially seeing them at Griffin Park earlier in the season, is I've been impressed with the way they've actually grown into it, and they've got that winning. They've got into a habit of winning games. Um, when I, I saw them a couple of nights ago against Birmingham, and they didn't look fantastically brilliant. But yeah, they look good on the break, and you can tell they've got goals. They look like a side with goals in them. But, you know, like many other teams, and like Newcastle from last year, as you saw at Griffin Park, you know, it's a wafer-thin game that we had against Newcastle at Griffin Park. It could have gone every, either way. They happened to nick a goal. And they reminded me a lot of Watford when Watford went up. Who they are just able to get that, you know, they'll concede a goal, they'll get two. And that's, that's where they are at the moment. And if they can keep that going on, yeah, they're going to walk the league. Um, there are a lot of teams, there's a lot of funniness, I think, going on at the top of the table. As I said, Sheffield United, people are raving about them. They had that great start. And then all of a sudden they're conceding five goals at home to Fulham. It just... Leeds again everybody's talking about them yeah exactly so there is a lot going on and I mean you know from our point of view that makes it all I mean if, if one team runs away with it it does leave another team open and, and, and I just want to say just quickly as well I think the most frustrating thing for me about Wolves is that yeah we got to play them but you know we, we can do whatever we want to but everyone else is going to play them and at the moment no one they're taking points off everyone else so even if we might be able to do something everyone else is taking points off of them yeah they seem to be really really powerful I mean they're, they, they're, they've got a great strength in depth they're, they've obviously spent hugely they're you know they, they have put together a you know a, a, a premiership team um, in, in, in the championship so you know they they probably should be going up but you know I'm always I'm always reminded by Brighton in the you know a couple of years ago they just they just romped the first part of the season they didn't lose until January or whatever it was it was them and Reading that were romping away with it and neither of them went up and um, you know it, it is this championship season is so intense and so long anything can happen. I, you know, if, if I'm a betting, I'm not a betting man, but Wolves, yeah, Wolves. You, you you would say that they're they're one of the yeah. two going up. They're, they're they're probably our champions, but take but, nothing for granted. But, but only if you look at who's around them, though. Yeah, yeah, no, take, yeah. I, I still I still wouldn't rule out them screwing it up. No, but who? If they if they weren't going to go up, then who would go in their place? Do you think? Well, us. Obviously. Oh, yeah, of course. Silly me. Oh, Jesus Christ. Come on, Billy. What are you talking about? <laughs> just, just, a, just a 20 points. Um, I, I, I do think this is a season of, of quite mediocre sides. I, I, I think Wolves are the outstanding side. And I think, I think in some respects it says more about kind of a medio- mediocrity to the, to, the champ- to the championship this season compared to maybe in recent seasons, certainly three or four seasons ago. And, and Jazz, I'm going to come to you in a minute, but I was going to pick up on that point there, which yeah. I think is good, quite interesting, sort of because I've talked to quite, fans from all over the, the, the league and everything like that. And Sunderland fans, which I think is, yeah, I'd chum up with them, because I love chumming. Um, and the Sunderland fans, which I think is quite ironic, they've turned around, even though they basically lose every single week, they're going, oh my God, this is a terrible league. It's a horrible league. It's a terrible league. All the teams are really, really terrible. And I'm thinking, well, no, not be funny, but you're bottom of the league. So how can you be going around criticising all the other teams and sort of kind of saying that the championship's a terrible league? But 
but I've seen it so much with their, their podcasts and their blogs and it's, everything like that. It, this, it hasn't got a patch on the season we made the playoffs because that, that Bournemouth team and that Watford team were both great teams that were going to stay in the Premier League, um, I always thought. And there were teams that season, like the Borough team, that were bloody good sides. Um, and, you know, and, 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 and we know what happened, yeah. Um, so I, I don't think it's a patch on that season. To be brutally honest, yes. Yeah, so going back to a point um, Dave made a moment ago about Watford buying a Watford pretty much having a Premiership team. That's not Ooh. always a yeah. Sorry, not Watford Wolves having a um, Premiership team. That's not always a good thing, as far as I'm concerned. Because um, I remember QPR did that um, when they went up. They pretty much bought themselves a Premiership team. Unfortunately, they bought a Premiership team that was ranked twentieth. So when they went up, they just promptly ended up coming back down so in the long term that can really hurt you especially if they're starting to spend 15 million or rumoredly to be spending 15 million pounds on players so uh, listen just coming let's just come back to the Fulham game again so listen you know as we were saying it is a game of two halves and what was very interesting we're going to post it up on the besotted.com so if you go to besotted.com hopefully now um, we'll go back at one o'clock in the morning and we're going to post this up because this video is definitely got to be seen. It was a video that we did. We did the Besotted video that's gone out on Besotted 1992 on YouTube. So check us out. You see the Besotted video. And then on Besotted 1992 on, on YouTube, we decided to do a little mashup video between uh, the Fulham fans who put out a video of their day out and uh, Sprentford fans who had our CR day out. We mashed the two up to show the different scenarios that were happening. So he showed us on the terraces, them on the terraces, a few score predictions, Fulham fans going mad when they scored, and all of a sudden, then all of a sudden we scored, and then the Fulham fans' reactions, and then their reaction when we scored another goal, and the reaction when we got sent man, got sent off, and even more reactions, and them trying to take the piss of us when we were singing, because they said we weren't singing, and you go to the Brentford end, and they're just singing very loudly. And then at the very end, when we actually won the game, and they just basically said something which summed up their whole afternoon, which is all good. But you definitely check it out on besotted.com. But just coming back to that, though, it's um, it, it, this whole thing about um, presumption, Laney, and also just seeing it from different points of view. Because the fact is that we do have slightly rose-tinted glasses from our point of view, and naturally they've got rose-tinted glasses from the, the, their bare point of view. And I'm just sort of thinking that this kind of sort of sums it all up, brings it to light a little bit. I mean, it almost kind of makes you, I hate to say this because we're not trying to sound patronising because we don't want to be, but it makes you feel a little bit sorry for them, doesn't it? Yeah, very sorry for them. I mean, it's a bit of a clash on this podcast because, like, you know, we we normally try and see things from, but from like, a 360-degree perspective and we, we're, we're normally quite rounded people, but, of course, we're, we're 100% biased towards our club. And, you know, when, especially when it comes to, you know... We, 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 that's a Fulham. Oh, yeah, God, that's, you know, this scumbags, yeah. And um, it's just like... But, but they get it now. They, they, they... One or two of them pretend it doesn't matter to them anymore. But now they really do get it. And our record against them since, since we got promoted to this level... I did the math last week. It's something like... It's, it's, I, I think it's... I, 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 tw- I tweeted it and it was accurate, but I think it's like 16-7 um, in goals or 16-6. You know, we've, 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 we've wiped the floor with them since we've been back here. One, they've got one defeat and we've got... Like, I can't remember how many times we've beaten them now. But, but I'm going to ask this question, because I, I'm, and I'm saying it seriously. Do they get it? Because listen, uh, listen, I think, no, I, I don't, I think, I, listen. I, no, I'm not sure because the thing is, again, again, I listened to the Fulhamish podcast afterwards, and they had their post match debrief, and the f- couple of things that they said, they said, 
we don't understand the rivalry. Why? Why do they? Why do Brentford? Why do they hate us so much? We just don't understand. They're insignificant to us. So, is it kind of like this whole kind of? Thing, it's an age thing. It's like it's the youth. The, the kids, yeah. the kids don't get it because they didn't go through the eighties and the nineties. They you know they were too young to appreciate it. They've they've grown up on Premiership and European Cup runs and and you know all, all all of that. And I'm sure you know I'm sure it was amazing for them. But this is the reality of what Fulham is now, and they need to get they need to get to grips with it pretty damn quickly because they're they're going nowhere this year. Their parachute payments going to run out, and you know they're they're here for the duration. And the fact is they are way behind us in in our terms of evolution. In you know, does history, as we know, you know, it's it's great, but it doesn't get you three points next week. Gaz, last word on Fulham. Yeah, I think um, when you go, when you mention about do the fans get it? No, they don't because fans these days don't get it. And I, I talk about Fulham, and I think it's all fans. Well, the way football, being a football fan, has changed. Is everybody expects to win? these days and that wasn't necessarily the case back in the day um, if you weren't very good you knew uh, you weren't very good if you were if you were Rochdale and you were in um, Division 4 for ages you, that's where you were and you knew that was you however after one year of going up rather than them sitting there thinking oh right brilliant we've gone up they're thinking right we're going to go on we're going to you know we're going to go all the way through the league everybody thinks they're going to go all the way through the leagues after a promotion I don't I understand why the Fulham fans don't get it because they became Fulham fans when they were in the Premier you know when they were in the Premier League so for them it is weird for all of a sudden teams in, like Brentford yeah they're in the, losing to teams like us and you're not playing the club you're playing the team and if your team isn't very good you are going to lose and to some, in some, to some degree, or to some big degree, it's our, it's our own fault too. Because you know we were literally bumming around in the bottom division and, and League Three for so many years. You know why would anyone else? Why would anyone really take us seriously if you if you if you'd been in the top flight for most of that time? So you know we we were probably you know a, a fly on their windscreen. But really, you know they have to start judging us. They have to start judging us based on our footballing ability now. Listen. I think they judged us on our football ability on Saturday and they put their hands up and they said fair play to Brentford. Um, I think they realised that we have come and we have conquered and they're going to take us a lot more seriously in the future. But listen, we've talked a lot about this. But however, a couple of days ago, I've got some food cooked to me by a couple of Brentford players. A very bizarre experience, I have to say. But after we finished cooking the food, well, during the cooking the food, we talked a lot about a lot of things. But afterwards, we had another little chat. Um, Andreas Billand and um, um, and 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 Lasse Vibe as well, the two Danish players in the side. We've also got another Danish player, well, maybe even more. But we talked to a couple of Danish players in the side, and they had a little chat to be sorted after a bit of cooking to let us know their thoughts on the Fulham game and other things. At the training ground, and we've just. We're just doing a bit of cooking, actually. Well, I've been doing a bit of cooking. I've got these two guys. I've got Lasse Viber and Andres Bellen, and they've been cooking up the storm. And I've tasted your food, and it doesn't taste too bad, it has to be said. Bit of a bizarre moment, this whole thing, isn't it? Yeah, no, not bizarre. It was, it was great fun to do a little bit of cooking uh, and, and try some food and you normally don't eat. So it was actually quite fun, and I won at the end. So it was a, it was a good one. No, no, it was, it was all good as well. Um, and talk about fun, um, last Saturday, <laughs> there was a lot of fun that was had on the pitch because we beat Fulham uh, 3-1. And we went behind 1-0. We were a little bit worried, but after that, we just turned it around, didn't we? 
Yeah, I think we didn't play that good in the first half, and as we said, conceding a goal, and they were really much going forward. But second half, I think we controlled really well and scored the 2-1, and they got sent off afterwards, where I think we controlled it and scored a really good goal to 3-1, so it was a good night. And, and last night, I mean, I know that you started a game on Saturday, but we, we've actually talked about it in the pub, we think actually there was a little bit of a trick, because I know that you went off, and you said it was a bit of an injury, but we actually think that you went off to confuse the Fulham because they play with a false nine and then you came off and then we had a false nine as well so both of them had a false nine Fulham were completely confused and they just fell apart after that didn't they it was a, it's a very good tactic yeah exactly yeah <laughs> nah I, I wish it was like that uh, unfortunately I, um, I felt my hamstring a little bit um, shouldn't be too bad but uh, it's obviously very very pleasing that the, the guys pull a, pull a res, uh, result in the end and and Romain came on and, and did uh, tremendously well, uh, as he's been doing all season. So, and, and again, everyone sort of writes us off every now and again. We have a couple of sort of dodgy results or, you know, not so good results. And everyone gets all sort of, a, you know, they, they get in doom and gloom. But all of a sudden you get a result like that and it's just so to show you. Three wins in a row and we can be properly back in the runnings, you know what I'm saying? Just on the edge of the playoffs, you know what I'm saying? And is that where everyone's looking at? Uh, I think so. Um, I, I don't think... Uh, maybe the people you talk to, I don't think the general uh, sort of feeling around the ground here is that just a, one bad result or a couple of bad results will, will, uh, will sort of make the whole thing fall apart. I think we've had one defeat, I think, in I don't know how many games it is, 13, 14 games. Um, I think if we can, if we can uh, just get a few more wins and, and not uh, like some of the draws, some of the tight matches, that if we can win them, then uh, by the uh, end of the season, we'll definitely be in and around there. We've got a few games coming up to Christmas, so we've got a bit of a busy period, and then we get to January. Technically, actually, January is when our season really starts, doesn't it? Because Brentford don't ever get going till January. Well, I think we showed this season that uh, we've got a slow start, but <clears throat> we're not that far off the playoffs right now either, so it's going to be really important, the Christmas programme for us now, uh, to get some points and get good out of, <coughs> out of that. Um, and then we have to see, but, but again, the season is long, we still have at least 25 games to go, so people say that we haven't been playing well, but if you look through the games and look at the chances we created and stuff like that, we should, of course, be able to get some more points, but that's what the football is about, it's about the next game and what we can do better for the next game, and not thinking so much about what we did 10 games ago, so it's a team where we need to take it game by game and then, then see where we are at the end. I think, I mean, I think saying that the fans have actually been positive, saying even though we haven't necessarily got the results, actually we think that we have been playing some brilliant football. And looking forward to the weekend, we're playing Hull City, and for us we think, oh no, they've just gone and sat their manager. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Because sometimes you get the new manager bounce, or sometimes they, uh, they just completely collapse. Yeah, exactly. Um... I mean, it's it's not really something we can control. Um, if you ask me personally, you'd, you'd probably want to want them to sack the manager after they've played us, because that means that we've been been beating them. Um, I think we've been good at looking at ourselves this season and, and making sure our performances um, are where we want them to be, and, and it will be the same thing on on Saturday. Not too much focus on what the other clubs are doing. Okay, listen, last night, Andreas, lovely food it has to be said, and uh, good luck on Saturday. Thank you very much. Thank you. So the Danish duo, Andreas Bjelland and Lasse Vibe, was giving us their thoughts there. Fulham game, whole game. Um, and the, they're actually all very, very positive, as, as Lasse Vibe was saying. He said, listen, we're looking forward. We've started earlier than we have last year. Last year, we sort of started January, February, where we normally start. But they said we've actually kind of picked up earlier. So I think he's actually feeling a little bit confident that the bees actually might be, might be knocking down a few doors. And... Um, 
there's only two Danes there, but there's actually quite a few Danes in the in the Brentford camp, isn't it, Elaine? It's, it's, it's a whole plethora of Danes. It's not it's not not the biggest Dane in West London, Bill. That's the size of that bloody dog at the bar. It's huge. Yeah, there is a there is a great. In fact, that was a great. In fact, this is obviously led on from the fact that you know this is the Great Dane. Um, I mean, we saw some great Danes at the training ground the other day, but this is actually a, probably a greater Dane, isn't it? It's a bloody big dog, Bill. Yeah. It's 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 bigger than um, it's big. It's like it comes up to my chest, mm. which reminds me of um, a YouTube video that I saw. No, anyway, listen, we'll move on from that. Listen, but we're coming back to the Brentford players who are Danes in in the camp. So, so who, who have you got? Who have you got in there? Uh, on, on my list, I have um, Andre Andreas Bjelland, of course. Um, Lasse Vive, yes, of course. Um, Dale's God. Elskard, yeah. Um, we have Shaibu. Yes. Um, I have um, Makondes, who's Marcondes. almost but not quite. Yeah. Um, I have Sorensen. Oh, Sorensen. And I Mads, have Mads, 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 no, he works in the ticket office. Oh, no, sorry. No. Yeah. It's a different Mads. Different Mads. And, um, and that's it. Because, because we we worked out the other two are Slovenians. The other six <laughs> names on my list just live in Denmark. Yeah, and the other ones a Finnish player. Yeah, that's right. But there, there's a bit of a Danish connection as well. And, and you're talking about one of them is uh, he's not with Brentford at all. But there's uh, talking to our Danish contacts. Ah, so you know, no, not not, not, not Yeah, but now about talking to our mm. Danish contacts, very important to talk about Danish because we yeah, yeah, we we'll be talking about our Chinese uh, Chinese sources earlier. Your Danish contact who stood in the hotel room in Copenhagen, not that one. I don't know what you're talking about now. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, we will move on from that quite quite rapidly. Actually, we will move on from that. That was uh, that was something that happened in the past. But um, we're talking about our, cha- our, our Danish sources and um, the no intensity at all. And um, we are talking about um, there's a player called Philip Novak who plays for FC Michelin. And it's interesting because there's been um, we've kept the two sides apart with Brentford and Michelin. But the word is on the street from our Danish sources that we tried to get Philip Novak on loan. At the back end of, uh, well, in the summer. And for whatever reason, it didn't quite happen. And uh, we were just wondering whether or not the fact that, you know, we are, even though, yes, we've got some great players um, standing in at left back for us, but they aren't their natural position. Uh, Rico Henry's out for the rest of the season. So we, uh, you know, and we obviously we've got um, Ilias coming through, who's a great, um, great little player. You know, hasn't got the experience, but he's a great little player. But we're just wondering, with uh, we've got this player who's played, what, 60 games for a, a team who's been in the Champions League and has been at the top of the league in Denmark. And a uh, 27-year-old is quite experienced, six-footer, whether or not he might be coming over to us in January. And we're, we're asked the question, we, we've got no idea. You think it's a good thing? Yeah, I mean, we 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 still got massive defici- um, deficiencies in our defence. You know, we, we we need to look at all of all of the the five or six players that we've got that are, you know in contention for a first team place. Absolutely, I think I, I, what I do think is this January is going to be very very interesting transfer window for us. I, I, I don't think the people that I don't think the DLFs, I don't think the owner of the club is going to write this season off anytime soon. I think we're we're in contention. We're starting to play really good football. We're, we're, we can we can match some of the best teams in this division. We need to we need to t- tighten up in, in a couple of positions. But I, th- I think I think we might see we might see a bit of money spent. Yeah, lot. Um, yeah, it's possible. I haven't really thought too much about the transfer window. Um, it is the, the, the left back situation is interesting? Um, I think we probably. I mean. You know, with Rico Henry being injured and us not having a left back, we, we clearly need to get. I, I, I was still so we need to get somebody in. I think, um, you know, I, I, I think Josh Clark, 
um, and Barbe have done. Um, you know, they've done. They, they filled in very well, um, but neither of them are left backs. Um, so I don't. Can we see the season out doing that? Probably not. So we probably need something to happen in the transfer window. Maybe a loan makes most sense. Um, would somebody want to come to the club? No, Rico Henry was at the club already. Um, I don't know. Uh, so yeah, it's possibly that, that something will happen in that position. Um, and a six-foot left back, whoever that may be. Um, as you know, I think we're short on height, um, but we need, still need to be able to play football. Um, would be wouldn't be a bad thing. Yeah, again, I mean, you've mentioned the loan. I think a lot's going to depend on the budget, how much money is there. Um, the, the loans have obviously the loan market's changed a bit over the cup over the last couple of years. But as you said, we do have those deficiencies and are we able to bring somebody in knowing that the chances are Henry is going to be our first choice Henry well listen well, that, that, again we can't answer that question but we've just been throwing it out there but listen we, we need to crack on because like you know the Fulham conversation is just it's just got us just chatting and chatting away and we know that we need to keep it tight as we keep it tight as up but listen we've got to talk about a couple of other things there's a couple of players who used to play for us a couple of seasons ago. One of them, um, unfortunately, was injured for a little bit, and uh, he's gone away, and the other one has decided to go somewhere else. But there have been a lot of conversations about him recently. We're going to talk about them now, after that twang. So Bees fans got a bit of very good news a couple of days ago, when all of a sudden a little tweet went out, and it said Alan Judge has started for the B team. Uh, B team were playing up at Barnet, the fake Bees, very fake, and Alan Judge was in the side... And uh, he played for the Brentford. He scored for the Brentford. Bees fans went ecstatic. They're thinking, ah, yes, Alan Judge is back. Now, the fact is that this is because people weren't really sure where Alan Judge was in his uh, rehabilitation. And I think that goes to show that Alan Judge is uh, playing contact football. He's up for it. From what I can gather, he's absolutely potty for it as well. And all we're waiting for is to think when's the first time that Alan Judge is actually going to be on the bench in a Scott Hogan style when he was out the out the Brentford team for two seasons and all of a sudden he appeared on the bench for one game, popped off the bench and after 10, ten minutes from the end scored a goal and then did the same thing for the following six weeks or whatever like that. You know what I'm saying? So we're not saying. I think he missed a penalty first. Oh yeah, he did as well. Yeah, yeah. But we we're not saying that's going to necessarily happen to Alan Judge. But we're thinking when is Alan Judge now going to be on the bench? Because obviously he's they're gearing him up. And we saw the same thing with, I think, with, uh, with Sergi Canos as well. He got a little bit of B-team action. They put him in there, but they don't want to throw him in too much. But this is a very exciting moment for uh, for Bees fans. Not saying it's all about Alan Judge, but he's going back into a team with all these brilliant players. I mean, Mate, it's, it's absolutely brilliant news for Alan Judge. You know, you, you, you take out how, you know, what he's done for our club. You take that out of the equation, but you see a player that had his legs snapped in two places with a dirty challenge at Ipswich. It was like, we've, we've been back to Ipswich twice since that happened. That was three games ago, and he's been out all that time. You know, it, it was a career-ending challenge, and he and Brentford have come out of this magnificently. Brentford Football Club have given him the best scientific, the best space age technology they've, they've given him the best chance of resurrecting his career so much so that he, 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 he you know he, he extended his contract with us when apparently he was offered money to go elsewhere even when he was injured so so there's there's like there's there's a kind of a bond that's happened here 
And to see Alan Judge in a starting eleven, although it's for 45 minutes, the guy's obviously going to have his recovery completely managed, like down to the minutiae. There's nothing going to be left to chance. So, you know, to see him back scoring... So you ask a question, when will he be back on the subs bench? As a prediction, I say Villa, Villa Boxing Day on the subs bench. I reckon his first start will be Notts County in the FA Cup. He's, he's pre, one of his previous clubs, Notts County at home in the FA Cup. That's my, that's my guess. But, but well done, well done. The, the Allards, Alan Judge, I mean, he's come, he was top boy. When he left, he was a top boy. He was basically dominating everything like that. He was all over the place. He was left, he was right. He absolutely was dominating that team. And to be fair, if Alan Judge had a great game, Brentford had a great game. If Alan Judge had a terrible game, we had a terrible game. We have sort of kind of changed a lot since then. Not saying that Alan Judge is superfluous to ease, not at all. But all of a sudden, he's now got to fit in with where Brentford are. And I'm just wondering, where do you think Alan Judge is going to fit in? Uh, well, firstly, there's, I think there's two ways of looking at it because um, I think that if we were really struggling and um, and then you had Alan Judge coming back, you, you, people would pin so much hope and so there'd be so much pressure on him to deliver that um, it, it would probably be very, very difficult for him to, um, to to do that because I think it's unrealistic to expect him to, you know, sort of step up and be playing the same way. Um, at the end of the, you know, sorry, be playing the same way when he comes back as he was when he last played for us. It's, it's just unrealistic. It's, it's, it's not going to happen. Um, and he'll, he'll need a bit of time to get into it. What goes against it a little bit is he's probably going to have massive competition to actually get in the side. Um, and um, and it'd be interesting to see whether you know he might have to reinvent himself as a footballer a little bit. We, you know, we, we 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 don't know the sort of the. His, his current sort of fitness status, um, but he does. He, he's always been the sort of player that could play out wide, and he could play in the middle too. And um, I just wonder if um, he might drift more into the middle as a player in the future, um, or whether you know he will still have the raw sort of pace and talent that he had before to be able to play out wide. And um, you know, hopefully, hopefully he comes back at 100. percent I mean, I, I I think he still has a long way to go, and um, but it's not unheard of. It you know it, it, it can happen, and um, and I, I really look forward to the. I mean, I think it's going to be a fantastic. I, I like to think it's going to be a great ovation when he actually walks back out onto that pitch. And and, and, and Gaz, I'm going to ask you as well. I mean, obviously you don't know because you're, you're not a doctor, and you're you're not in the club, and you're you're not you know you're not the masseurs or you're not the sort of the physio or anything like that. But just looking at the way that we stepped in, Alan Judge, and I think he came in for his first game. I think it was in February, and he played quite a few B team games. But we wouldn't give him lots of games. We'd give him a half, and we just sort of got him in slowly. And eventually, I think he came into the Brentford side at the back end of March, if not early April. Um, and, and and then we put him in there as well. I'm just wondering, Alan Judge, because, I mean, I can imagine, you know, he's a very enthusiastic young man, so he's probably quite potty for it. But when can you see Judgey coming back into the Beast team? To be honest, I think it'll be the new year. I don't really see a need. One of the... Something that will benefit him is, as I said, we're not a struggling team, whereas if we were struggling we might look to kind of bring him back quicker because we need a player of his quality to get us out of the mire. We're not in a mire. We're running along nicely at the moment, so there is no rush. And it's more important that we bring him back when it, make sure he's healthy and we bring him back at a good pace. 
Okay, it's a good pace, and he has got a good pace on him as well. And hopefully, he'll be able to tear apart um, on these teams in the in, in the second half of the season. But I mean. It's interesting because we talked about Alan Judge. It's interesting as well because there was a couple of questions that went out there the last couple of days about one of our ex-players as well. We don't always want to keep bringing him back, but we just thought it was an interesting conversation where they were talking about Hotter, who played against Wolves um, on Monday night. I didn't see the game myself because I was actually at the uh, Football Supporters Federation of Wolves, sitting with some Birmingham fans, and when I saw the result come in, Good friends of mine as well, but I had to let them know that they had lost to Wolverhampton Wanderers um, with three of our players, and uh, they weren't very happy for the words I, I gave to them at the time. But, you know, as they call it, it's banter. But they did that as well. But what we noticed at the time was uh, Hotter, he got substituted at half-time, and they said to me, oh, Hotter, man, you know, you sold us a duff there, they said to me. You sold us a proper duff. And I said, what are you talking about? He was brilliant for us. He's just not been great for yourselves. And for whatever reason, the football that you're playing, the environment that you're playing, the manager, you haven't done the right thing. So a little tweet where there's a little bit of banter going on between um, the Brentford fans and the Birmingham fans. The Birmingham fans going, he's absolutely awful. And we were just saying, actually, we don't believe that. We think he's a great player, but you're not playing to his strengths. And then some Bees fans start to say, we we take him back. And uh, then the question went out, is that, OK, we take him back? What, would you take him back? And if you did, what value would you put at on, on Hotter and Laney I mean you were very much embroiled in this conversation because I was up hobnobbing with all sorts of characters at the time it was, it was something we spoke about about well it was over a month ago actually you know we, we, we spoke about it quite a long time ago but it's kind of emerged because you know Jota's clearly not it's, it's clearly not working for him there he's not clicked he's certainly you know the term is hit the ground running he's not understood and he's certainly not loved and you know if anyone knows anything about Yotta, he needs to be loved and um, he's, he's not getting it there he's having arguments with, um, with, with the fans when he takes a corner he's having um, sp- he's not having spats online but he's getting a lot of grief online um, it's there it's the it's, you know it's Birmingham City's record signing a record transfer you know it's, it's, they're the famous club that sold Trevor Francis for the million pound million pound to Nottingham Forest so they, they, these guys you know they're, they're sort of they're their transfer record means something precious to them. They, in their eyes, they've bought a, they've bought a lemon. Um, we know that's not the case. So I said earlier, again, you know, it's a conversation we had a month ago. But hypothetically, how much should we offer in the January transfer window? So it's kind of a little bit. It's a bit of a spiteful. It's kind of like you know, do we go in there with a kind of like derisory offer to get Yota back because he, he's better off where he is? Um, and so people have. People have like they've they said many things. It's very divided down the middle. There's a lot of people, probably rightly, it said, let it lie. It's gone. Leave it alone. You know, he, he, he's made his bed. Let him lie on it. And there's others that are kind of joining the kind of the hypothetics of it and said, right, offer him five hundred thousand and give him fifteen grand a week and and and, and bring him home. But you know, oh, it's interesting you say you give him fifteen grand a week. And the players that he's playing with are not, are not on 15 grand a week. So do, does he deserve 10, 5, 8, 10 grand a week more than everybody else? No, but he, he certainly, you know, he's on 40 at Birmingham or whatever it is. So, you know, it's, it's, it's about whatever it takes to bring the, bring the best out of the player. But, you know, what I also tweeted earlier was where does he fit into this now? So, you know, you've got you've got Canos, you've got Josef Zoom, you've got Marcondes joining. You've got um, Clark, who's, you know, who's, who's out on the wing. You've, you've, we've got so many wide options now 
where you know we're not quite sure which one actually gives us the best attacking flair. Then to to chuck um, Yotta back in there, you know, again hypothetically, does it really take us forward? Does it bring us back? I don't know. Um, does it bring us back? Uh, I mean, my my feeling is is that you know I think I think probably we might have said something different a month and a half ago, um, but you know I think we've moved on now. Um, I I did. I said earlier, I suspect at some point he will play for the club again because there'll be some weird sort of collection of events where we're struggling and, and it will appease the fans, so bring him back at some point. But I don't think it's not going to happen in the near future. Um, to be honest, the bottom line is is that if a player is on a, is on a contract worth something like 40 grand a week, you've probably pretty much got to buy the contract out as well if you are going to sign him. So I just, it's, you know, it's, just, it's, it's not going to happen. He'll sit there on 40 grand. Most likely, he'll sit there on 40 grand a week not playing. Gaz, I mean, interestingly, because Hotter was he, he wanted to play in the Premier League, and um, he's he's been offered very good money at Birmingham. Um, he was very happy to pay for a lot less money from for what we can gather from our sources out there in the in the ether, like you know, uh, Premier League people and like that. He was very they talking to him, and they're very happy to pay for a lot less money, half or even a third of the money that he's been offered at Birmingham City. Um, so it seems like uh, he he likes to play football, so he's quite happy to play football. So it's almost like, okay, he went there for the money, but he, he doesn't necessarily go for the money. So, I mean, I know Matt's talked about the fact that he's on 40 grand a week, we can't get him back. If you could pull him back and get him back on sub 10 grand a week or probably whatever the fee might be that you get about a Brentford player, would you bring him back? That is the question. Personally, I would say no, because when it comes down to it, we don't need him. And as you said, maybe two months ago when we were sitting in the relegation zone I might have thought differently yeah we might have thought yeah we do need him well, but I'm, gonna, I'm gonna argue at that point that but he, he kind of helped us to to go that relegation zone because he that first month he weren't doing nothing and he missed that goal against like you know you know with the wolves you know okay he had a couple of assists and stuff like that but you know he was part of the problem yeah exactly and that's what I mean so it's not necess- it's how we would we really benefit from having him back as you know, there's a lot that's in the couple of years that he's been in this country. There's quite a lot that's gone on. You know, you obviously had to go back to Spain for a while, for whatever the reason was. Then he came back. He was back here for what six months, and then now he's gone off to Birmingham, and it's not working out there. So, what player are you getting back? You might not get back the player we had for the six months because we don't know what's going on at the moment with him. It's, um, it's really interesting. Okay, look, I think this this shows the di- you know the, the kind of like the complete Diversity. contrast yeah. in 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 the in the tweets. These are the last four tweets. It's a very healthy Twitter feed here going on. So Mark Sagas says, "Wouldn't touch him. Do not need. Canos when fit has grown out of his shadow." Tony Williams. Well, um, we, we we could well do with him back on loan until the end of the season, then offer three million. Um, Nigel Gordon, do not require his services. People forget if it wasn't for Ari, we he would have been at Fulham. Before people stop moaning, I think he's one of the best players we've ever seen at Griffin Park. Deb Deb Harwood said, sure, he'd now be willing to take a pay cut, um, cut to see happy Alan Hombre and with a Sergi. And then Michael um, um, McCormack, 1977, Michael H. All hypothetical, I'm sure, but one, I wouldn't want him back. 
two, surely wages would make the move impossible. And one last one, Chris Belcher. have no need for him now. As others have said, he wanted to go, so let him. Canos has shown what it is to be a fan of the club and be, and be represent. We want more like that. And, and uh, the, Belcher, what the Belcher says there, and I think it's very true. I mean, Hotta, I loved Hotta. Absolutely brilliant, and he was great. And he, I thought, and I said to you, he brought more to the club other than his football. He brought a really good vibe. He brought an up vibe, quite similar to what Canos did as well, which you don't. It's very rare in football. And uh, you know, I talked to quite a lot of people about this. I said to this, listen, the value that he's put on the club, people would turn up at games, people would turn up at training grounds, and they felt very, very positive about the club because of Hotter. The fact is that, listen. Trust me, he's a short career and he's decided I've, I've got to move and I've had to move away. It hasn't worked for him this time. It didn't work when he went to Spain as well, for whatever reason that may be. And it's just got to that stage as well where I just sort of think, listen, it's taken us a bit of a while to get over him, but because we're playing very good football, we've now got over him. It may be a negative move for Brentford to ever get involved in that again. And sometimes, as they say, with an old girlfriend, which you may have broken up with, and it's taken you a while to get over it, it's not right to go back. So I think, no, we mustn't go back. We'll sign him again when we're in the Premier League. Mm, we'll see about that. But listen. That would be ironic that the Premier League that he hasn't had yet would be back to us. Yeah. It would be as well. You know, and, and, but anyway, listen, listen. We'll forget about that. Judgy, all very, very exciting times. Marcond is coming soon as well. We've got all sorts of players coming. But let's forget about them lot. Because we need to look forward to the weekend. Let's get knuckled down. Big game against Hull, who have been appalling the past few weeks. However, they've sat their manager, so anything can change. We've got no idea what might be going up in Hull, but we've got a man up in Hull who can tell us. Will Hardcastle, proper boy. He's all over the TV. You can see him on Channel 5 chatting about stuff about Hull City. Will Hardcastle, he's going to tell us what's going down in Hull. So, we've got a game on Saturday. We're going all the way up to the northeast. Well, it's Yorkshire, apparently. It's East Yorkshire. Except for if you speak to Sheffield Wednesday fans, they try to claim that it's not Yorkshire. But if you speak to Hull fans, they claim that it is Yorkshire. So, I mean, we're not going to argue about it. We're from London. We've got no idea what's going on. We thought, what's better to go and talk to a Yorkshire man himself? Will Hardcastle about Hull City. Will, how are you doing? All right, how are you guys? I'm not bad, not bad. Just, just clear it up for us, mate. Are you in Yorkshire or are you not in Yorkshire? East Riding of Yorkshire. Definitely not Humberside. That went long ago. It's the East Riding of Yorkshire. OK, so Sheffield Wednesday fans are talking absolute nonsense then, are they? Uh, absolutely not. I'm still upset about that playoff final. Yeah, OK. I better, we won't talk about that anyway. But listen, <laughs> let's move this on, mate. This season... Hull City, okay, you had a little nice little time in the, in the, well, a sort of nice time in the Premier League, but you came back down to join us in uh, the Championship, and you've not had a great half of the season, have you? I mean, is it a relegation hangover? Um, yeah, absolutely. We, we, we lost a massive part of our squad. Um, it's been a total rebuild. Um, there's, a, there's a couple of guys still in there that I thought left from last season, but... You know, the uh, the owners comes back to the summer, which was a bit of a bit of a travesty, really, where we lost far too many players and we never really replaced them with the sort of quality that we uh, sold. I mean, you lost. I mean, you say you lost players as well. So I mean, so you come down to the championship. You're trying to build for a, a different type of game down there. Do you think so? And what's the difference between the Premier League and the Championship? Um, I think as Leonard Slutsky's just found out. I think it's far more intense. Um, I think the sides are, are hugely varied. The physicality of the game, 
Um, it's you know it's, it's real real guts, blood and thunder at times in the championship compared to the Premier League. There was times in the Premier League where we were totally outplayed, um, where sides would just move the ball so much quicker than we would. Don't necessarily see that as much in a championship. You see, like I say, you see a lot more blood, guts, thunder, and, and the key to what I believe is success in championship is organisation. Um, and I think that's exactly what sides like Wolves have got. I think they're really well drilled, well organised sides, um, with that little bit of attacking flair, and that's what's the difference in this in this division. And, I mean, you talked about Slutsky as well. I mean, he, um, you've, as far as we're concerned, you've lost your manager, possibly at the worst time for us. I mean, you, you never know what's going to happen next. You might have a bounce back, or you might get a further hangover. I know that you weren't particularly keen on him in, in the last, you know, last few months. Um, are you glad he's gone? I'm not, no, I can't say I'm glad he's gone. You know, he's, he's, he's clearly a really affable chap. You know, he made a lot of effort in the area. Um, he's very likeable, but unfortunately, likeable doesn't necessarily mean you're a good football manager. And I don't want to take anything away from Slutsky. I do think he's just been a little bit hung out to dry, um, and I think he, he's maybe struggled with the, the, the differences in the football. Um, but you know, it, like I say, a lot of it, a lot of our problems stem back to the summer of the recruitment policy, and, and um, I just I just think that. I think it might be a bad time for you because the, lack, the problem we've had is our, our lack of organisation and how weak we have been at conceding and defensive, uh, well, defensive errors. And I think that will change quite quickly because I think it's quite easily fixable. Listen, I mean, you've got your manager, but also you've got your owner, the LMs, who maybe is a little bit of a sort of kind of dark cloud every time I, I mention that name over you. I mean, the, the whole fans, they've had a hate relationship with their owner, the LMs, and vice versa. I mean, what's the latest with them and you guys? I mean, what you have to do is you have, you have to give the LMs a little bit of credit in the sense of, you know, up until a couple of years ago, they hadn't put a foot wrong, really. Um, then the whole name change and, and the council thing came to play, and it's just been one, well, it's just been one disaster after another, really. I mean, the, again, I'm coming back to the summer, um, but now, now the vice chairman, Iab Alam, Asim Alam's son, the chairman's son, he's, he's pretty much in charge of the club now. And he just seems to be making error after error. Um, and and it's, 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 well, it's, 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 there's too much water under the bridge now to, to ever repair that relationship. And the sooner that the, the Alam's leave the football club, the better, really. Um, we, we can't progress with them, and I don't think they'll progress with us. So, it's, you know, we're at the end of the line here, but they don't seem to be particularly willing to go. My concern as a City fan is we're on the brink of another Carl Oyster situation. Well, I mean, that's not, I mean, that's not a great scenario. No, no, we've been talking to uh, the whole City Supporters Trust as well. They've been filling us in, and I met up with the, um, the Amber Nectar guys as well at the Football Supporters Federation Awards on Monday night as well, and they were talking about a lot of stuff. So there's a, a lot of things that need to be sorted out as far as you're concerned, but I know um, from, your, from your response, uh, or from your respect, from the fans' respect, you're just, you know, you need them to go and you need a fresh um, of blood because they were saying that whatever happens in Hull, you know, even if you get the right result, there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff under the you know under, under the soil as it is. You know what I'm saying? It's like it's, it's very very deep. So you know, even if you get some decent results, it's hiding you know the, the big mess that is at Hull City. Is that right? Well, absolutely. I mean, the, the last promotion sort of is is a, the epitome of that really. Um, you know, we took, went back up under Steve Bruce, and we had a real chance to progress again there. And it, it was just never taken, and the amount of opportunities the Alams have had to sell a football club and make good money as well. That, you must remember that they've had a chance to sell a club for a good profit, um, and never really taken it through one reason or another. Um, you know, it, it, it's just come to a point where it, we're in an impasse now. 
Um, and they've made they've made slight efforts to, to have a supporters meeting again recently and get yeah. engaged back with fans. Well, that's been four years. That's that's the first one in four years, which which clearly isn't enough. Um, and and, it, and the club is a real basket case in a minute, and we're in a bit of a bit of a tin pot situation. And I, I worry for the football club, um, which is why it was so important we we made a change because I just don't think we can sustain another rele- relegation, which is a real possibility at the minute. All right, you know, just just quickly, just coming onto the pitch as well. I mean, you've played quite a few teams this season. You've been on the wrong side of a fair few big results as well. You know, Sheffield United they put four past you. Barra have put four past you. Forest have put four past you as well. But saying that, you did beat Burton at City 6-1. So, you know, obviously you could do things right at the right time. You've got the right players. You've got some quality players in there. Um, so, I mean, it's, it, you just need to sort of kind of gel, it, it seems to be, in the right time, isn't it? So this, this again, this is the Stutzky factor, you know. I, I think, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, I think we're the second highest scorers and the second uh, most conceded goals in the division. Um, you know, that tells its own story, really. We have got attacking flair, we can score goals. We've got young Jared Bowen, who's got 10 this season, who, for you, luckily for you guys, is actually injured and out of the game at the weekend. Um, but uh, we also concede a lot of goals, and we concede a lot of ridiculous goals on set pieces as well. Goals that really are quite fundamental and should be put out. Um, and this is why I think uh, the Swatsky factor may, may, may make a difference at the weekend, because I just think a lot of organisation stops us conceding a lot of those silly goals. It's interesting, I mean, you've talked about organisation, but you've also talked about the teams in the Championship being a little bit more bruised, a little bit more physical. So it sounds to me like you like to play a passing game, which is the Brentford game. I mean, we pass the ball around. I mean, we pass the ball around so much that sometimes you think, just put the ball in the back of the net. So technically, this game actually might suit both teams, do you think? I mean, it'd be interesting to see because we, we've, the problem we've had lately is we, 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 we sit incredibly deep. Um, Sheffield Wednesday is a prime example of that. We went one nil up and, and at half time, to be quite honest, I thought we was in control of the game. Um, in the second half, we came out with incredibly negative. That really deeply invited Wednesday onto us, and to be quite honest, it was in- inevitable as it has been for the last few weeks. So yeah, we like to pass the ball about a little bit, but you know we put ourselves under so much pressure by trying to play football that maybe that's actually what we maybe just need to forget a little bit at the minute and, and go back to the basics and when we need to stick it in rows and stick it in rows and sometimes we might need to flip it along down the line and, 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 and be a little bit more direct. Listen, just quickly, I'm going to just ask a couple of questions because I mean, there's a player um, that you almost had was Andre Gray, and he, he he was pretty much signed for you, and then all of a sudden I think something happened between the owner and his son and stuff like that, so he ended up going somewhere else, um, which is probably a big signing that you missed out of from Brentford at the time. I mean, he went to Burnley, so we got the money anyway, so we we bought other players with that. However, Moses Adebayo, just want to find out. I mean, these fans, you know, it was well liked down there, and how, how's he getting on? Because I know he got injured. Is he recovering from injury? I, I honestly believe, and, I'm, and there may be what many that will agree with, but if, if Moses Adebayo had been fit for a Premier League season, we'd have had a much better chance of staying up. Uh, we played El at right back, and he wasn't really out and out right back. Um, Adebayo started the season with us in the Championship, a bit shaky to be quite honest with you, but he really, really progressed and came on. And a great example of how good he was by the end of the season was the um, the Derby goal. The third goal we scored at Derby in the playoffs in the final, first leg. And it was Andy Robertson and Moses Adebayo that made the goal. Both full-backs were beyond the centre-forward attacking. And uh, it was a big, big blow for the season of Adebayo. He's it was, it was a, really, a really good, athletic, strong footballer. He's been a really good character, blended with the squad. And um, yeah, I hope for him as much as anybody else that he can come back and his career isn't isn't finished because it's a really bad injury and he's missing two years now. 
So fingers crossed that he will come back as good as he was. Very good. Susan, so Saturday, Mighty Bees are coming up there. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling a little bit of nerves in your voice, you know what I'm saying? But, you know, we're, we're coming up there anyway. What do you reckon? Uh, massively pessimistic at the minute. I don't know what to expect. I don't know if we're going to have a new manager in place. Um, it, it's impossible to call. We always score, but we always concede. So let's, let's go for an optimistic 2-2 draw. Okay, 2-2 draw. Will, listen, mate. Saturday, we're going to catch up with you. We're getting in quite early, and we're going to hit up the old town together, have a few beers, and uh, we'll have a laugh. Anyway, win or lose, we're on the booze, as they say. <laughs> I look forward to it. Wicked, man. All right, then. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers, Bill. Interesting views there from Will Hardcastle, the whole fan there. And I'll tell you something as well. It's interesting. We've been through this so many times. We're not going to get overly excited, overly optimistic anymore because eh, it's Brentford, isn't it? You know what I'm saying? And, and, and Will's saying, you know, he's going basically, you know, he hoped for a two-all draw. They're all over the place. They play very deep. Um, they're not very organised. Um, so it's typical for Brentford to go down there and be in 3-0. Um, but... I would like to think that we'll take all these things on board and actually be as professional as we were, say, against Fulham, as opposed to QPR. I'm not knocking it, but at the end of the day, we lost a two-goal lead in the last sort of, you know, last two minutes of seven minutes of extra time at QPR. We were 2-0 up. So, listen, we go to Hull. We need to realise that they're obviously in all sorts of problems. They haven't got a manager. They might have a manager by Saturday, but probably not. So somebody's going to come on. He's going to try and sort of, sort of kind of... Evo stick them together somehow and probably just try and not lose against us so we need to be aware of that and be professional and do what we do in it Laney I love it when um, the away fans like predict a draw because that means they think they're going to lose and they just can't bring themselves to say it so I think that gives us hope you know we've got, we got to take um, we've got to take it from him he's, he's watched them week in week out if, uh, if, if he thinks that they're, they're problematic, um, if he thinks they're, they're punching below their weight, if, if he thinks that Slutsky should have gone, I think, that just, I think that just makes me feel that we can go there and do a job. You know, again, we, we talked about this front end of the podcast about you know, how entertaining we are, what a good team we are on the attack. We go there to win and um, you know, I go there expecting us not to lose. I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd be probably happy with a point, really, based on the fact that the last time we went there, Bill, we lost. You know, and they, they could have run up a cricket score that day. They, they had a lot of chances. So Hull, on their day, are a very dangerous team. Um, we hopefully play them at the right time, and hopefully we can go there. It's about, I mean, like, I, remember, I remember we won, I won, I went to Hull... I was with you. It was the Mecca Bingo day. Oh, Mecca Bingo. Mecca yeah, yeah. Bingo. That's when they stuck so my horn. Horny, remember? They, they took stopped, my horn. Yeah, they stopped your horn. Yeah. yeah. No, they stole my horn, I said. Well, they stopped it and stole it. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a long... Right, you got a problem with your horn at the moment? Listen, anyway, we'll move on from that. That was a long time ago, actually, when I used to bring an air horn to football games. Well, you were allowed to bring air horns to football games back in those days, wasn't it? It was uh, one of those... Well, anyway, listen, the Allard. Um, Hull City. In paper... We should go up there and take the game to them and beat them, but it's never ever going to be as easy as that, is it? Um, I'm not so sure. I mean, I'm actually trying to work out who's in charge there of the team at the moment. Um, there was nothing in the statement. You know, normally when you do a statement, you say who's in charge. Have you got any idea? No, listen, Will, uh, Will, and he's a proper top half. He knows everything that's going on. He's got no idea who's in charge. So, so maybe, I mean, maybe, maybe you're in charge. Maybe I am. In which case, I'll. Um, what would I do if I was in charge? I'd probably, well, I'd probably 
feed them chocolate before the game or something. And, right. uh, and what, what formation would you play then? Oh, what, against us? Um, I would play no one in midfield. Um, and um, yeah, basically, I played no one. Five in people up front. Us. Yeah, five up front and um, five at the back. Um, no pace on what out wide and um, and let Brentford throw the kitchen sink at us. That's what I do. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, so, so it seems like. I mean, to be honest, have you seen one of these? Have you ever seen it before where they haven't actually said who's taken over for a short period? No. Um, it seems a bit weird. So I, I'm, I'm, I, I reckon we should be all right on um, Saturday. Um, I'm, cause, because I can't really see what they're doing so I'm, I'm going to say 2-0 Brentford wheels coming right off up there wheels are coming off as well and the gas what are you saying we're going up to Hull we're all on the train we're on the 8.33 train we'll be up there by 11 o'clock and we'll be, um, we'll, be we'll be buzzing by the time we get up there actually won't we yeah, so I think what we should do is just... I think we should have a dry day, no alcohol, no anything like that. So. <laughs> oh, my God. That's the second thing okay. you've done today. Seriously talking. Lots um, of sprouts. Yeah. Lots of sprouts and no alcohol. Yeah, no alcohol. <laughs> Try it. <laughs> Suffering builds character. But, um, as I, was, I mean, I was confident that we were going to go up there and win. Them, chain, them losing their manager was obviously not doing much good to them. Um, it's throwing a bit of a curveball, so you don't really know what's going to. Ha- you don't really know what's going to happen when a team changes manager because us being fans, we don't know what we don't know what the problems were in the dressing room that caused them to underperform. Um, whatever you say, I think they are underperforming, and it's going to be a difficult. Uh, we make games diff- more difficult than they need to be, but I'm still confident that we can go up there and win. A score prediction? Mm, I think. It's going to be a 2-0 win to us. 2-0 to the Bees. And for me, um, I'm saying that again. And listen to what Will says as well. He reckons they score goals, but they're letting goals. So I'm thinking 2-1 to the Mighty Bees. But I think that we're on a bit of a roll. And I think that listening to um, Vibe and, 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 and Bieland as well, they're very focused on this game. And they realise what they need to do. And uh, I think the team has taken a bit of a change after that QPR game. And I think that we're not going to let teams do the, 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 you know, just take advantage of us and do the silly things. So I think that actually somebody's going to take the hold of that. And I think 2-1 to the Mighty Bees. But listen, it's been a great podcast. We're talking about a lot of things here. We're still smiling after the Fulham game. We're all still smiling here as well. We're probably going to get a last drink here at the Cross Keys who have taken care of us. Absolutely teething tremendous. Um, I'm on the Christmas brew, actually. They've got some sort of, what's it called again? The Holly Bush. The Holly Bush is lovely, actually. And the Holly Bush. I'm going to have another Holly Bush here. Have a Christmas toast to myself and to all my bees mates around here before we oh, actually go to Hull. You feeling Christmassy, Bill? I am feeling a bit Christmassy, but we'll probably talk about that next week actually because it's oh, going to be a, it's going to because ne- next week is actually going to be our 350th podcast, which I think oh, uh, more importantly or equally importantly. 750,000 listens next week. Oh, so 350 podcasts, 750,000 listens. So should we do the maths? And after last week, maybe we might not ask you to do the maths. 76%. 76. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's right. <laughs> Indeed. 76%. I'll tell you something. If you don't know your, if you, if you, if you don't know your maths, just, just forget about that because we are on a different level on the mathematics tip. You know what I'm saying? That's why we support Brentford because we know all about statistics, analytics oh, and mathematics. And, and, and algorithms, mathematics. Yeah. Anyway, listen, then, what we're waffling on here now, the Sotted Prada West London podcast. What I want to say to you first is, no, the social is, um, the social is on 
And uh, I think the tickets might have pretty much all gone for that as well. But listen, just check on the Besotted website. There may be one or two tickets left for that one, but they may be pretty much all gone for that one as well. Um, check out on, on the Besotted.com website. On the right-hand side, you'll see we've got a new range. We've finally managed to design all our T-shirts and all our stuff. So we've got a T-shirt range, which is really great. We've got you know, teams like Brentford as well. We've also got a new Bees tee, which is like a big bee on the chest as well. So if you ever look at it, it's quite exclusive on that one as well. It's a Pride of West London with a big bee on it. A little bee on it as well with Brentford underneath that as well. That's absolutely brand new. But if you order that now, you'll get that out and hopefully in to you before Christmas for somebody who you love, of course, as well. And also we've got some canvases, which I think we've pretty much nearly all sold out of them as well. There's a really wicked one of the 60s Brentford team as well. Um, Brentford Griffin Park with the, uh, the, the Royal Oak and I think it's the, the Braemar Road as well. Check that out. That's actually wicked. But I think we've pretty much nearly much got rid of all those ones as well, which is all good. And also I've just seen a wicked piece of merchandise. It's the big book of Griffin Pyle. They're only one in the UK at the moment now because I think they're coming over from Poland or from Slovenia or from Afghanistan or possibly <laughs> from South Africa um, on a ship. Um, so the ship has got, well, got held up at customs um, as a, uh, the customs people are looking through all these wonderful photographs in the book but hopefully when they stop looking through the photographs they'll actually let the, 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 the lorry load through and they'll come and deliver them to the club shop and you can buy this book. Um, the big Brentford book of Griffin Park if you look on Brentford Besotted um, if you go to the Brentford Besotted Facebook page and also look on Besotted itself you will see some photographs of this book it looks absolutely teething tremendous and you need to get tucked right into it because it is very good I'm very excited I'm just I'm delighted I've got a couple of sample copies that were air, air freighted into me yesterday um, it's, it's stunning um, thanks for everyone that's pre-ordered this book and I'm very sorry for a, a slight delay they had to reprint the cover because there was some, some sort of mess. a Fulham fan on it or something wasn't it yeah there was something <laughs> needed to be redone the, the book is perfect um, I'm, hopeful, I'm hoping it, it, it arrives with me tomorrow or Friday and it will be in the club shop the very moment it arrives very latest um, it will be Monday um, and then there will be all uh, anyone that's pre-ordered it and got your name in the book they'll be out on Monday or Tuesday and so just get onto the club shop order the book it is a work of beauty and, and Mark Croxford and myself have put six months into producing this the stories, the photographs, everything. Hopefully it makes you very proud to be a Brentford fan. It makes you very proud to have watched your football at Griffin Park. Enjoy it. Proud as bees we are. We're very proud this week. We've beaten Fulham. We're proud this week. We've got this book. We're proud this week because at the end of the day, we are Brentford in it. But listen, Saturday, whole city. Come and join us. We're having some drinks in the old town. We're going to where we're not going to start off. We went to a pub a couple of years ago, which I will not mention the name because I walked in and when I saw photographs of slaves, I thought it was very, very interesting indeed. So maybe we may move on to another pub in the old town. But we got the the, the whole fans going to come out and meet us. We've got Will. We've got the guys from the Supporters Trust and everyone like that. You know, they're all going to be meeting us. And it's going to be a rather good the Amber Nectar guys, you know, everything like that. So come and have a drink with us. And I think we're going to end up at the William Gemmell, which is quite near to the ground where the, the trust guys it's so listen we're going to have a right good drink but as all us our guys we're say we're looking have, forward we're to it come on UB come on UB
away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.